This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy and something, 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 Anthony, or Bob, or John or Greg. Phil or Greg or whatever we Chauncey. call him this week. Chauncey. I do like Chauncey. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that one's going to stick. Chauncey McBeardy McChauncington. Have you, uh, Anthony, have you always had a beard? Uh, no, recent development. Is it? I didn't know I could. Yeah, and, well, you can't quite, but it's okay. It's coming in. Um, boom. <laughs> <laughs> it look, I like it. It's, it's round. Thank you. It's well-rounded. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's uh, snowboarder Anthony. It looks like a snowboarder beard, doesn't it? Subaru yeah. owner beard. Oh, oh, s- oh, oh! oh. Well, the we're stereo- onto something there. Yeah. The stereotype is true. Subi Anthony. Subadu. Scooby Anthony. I do love my Subarus. Do you? Yeah, you're a snowboy. That's why. All snow people love Subarus. They're just great. They work perfectly. They're in the snow. They do. All-wheel drive or else. Interestingly enough, Auto Andy has a Subaru to review today. I do. I have. I have one of the good ones. It's a. It's a big yeah, wait, one. Wait, is there a bad? That obviously um sets us up for the question. How many bad ones are there? Nil. Oh. There isn't a bad Subaru. Are it's you a snowboarder like, too? Well, I I can do like a, no. I'm a I'm a I'm an inner tuber. <laughs> I like to get in a, like a tire and see how fast I can get. I get a lot like terminal velocity happens real quick. Does it? Because because of Newton's law of gravity. Because <laughs> something heavy is going down. Weight weight to speed ratio. Yeah, plus plus force. Weight speed plus force. My e- feet like glow red. Is equals ah. Yeah, when I hit the atmosphere. Um. <laughs> Did they drop you from space? Yeah, I'm for real about my inner tubing. Um, okay, so what are you reviewing Subaru-wise today? The 2002 Subaru Ascent Onyx Edition. Thank you very much. Onyx is? It means it's, uh, it's all black everything, much <laughs> like my hot. I do remember it wasn't all black. No, there was just it, 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 the theme, the overwhelming theme was Onyx, which is black. Okay. There's like there's like a there's like a waffle style black grill on the inside, but that's mm. all you get for now. Okay. And uh, you're gonna tell us what you thought of it. I'm gonna put the maple syrup on it. Mmm. Sounds delicious. We've got some other good stuff in the show too, don't we? The show. This one. This might could be one of my favorite ones. Might could be. Mm-hmm. There's a double maybe in yeah. there. Yeah. Well, there's today's. There's a lot. There's a lot to say today about cars. Uh, does a double maybe cancel uh, the show out? Yeah, it, it makes how, a, two negatives makes a positive. Is that I, how it works? I so it's going to be a really good show. Yeah, I went to public maybe. school. Maybe. <laughs> uh, we have a very uh, posh cars on the show today. We're going to be talking about luxury.com. 
Uh, first of all, we drove a new Mercedes-Benz 2022 S-Class in, <sighs> which you... Oh, we'll, we'll just get to that in a second. Uh, we'll be talking about Lexus LS500, which is their equivalent to that vehicle, the uh, super posh Lexus. We're also going to have Ed Kim on. Ed is the brand new president of Auto Pacific, and Auto Pacific basically do evaluation of vehicles. Um, they do a lot of fact crunching. Um, and I, I want to ask Ed a question, but I have to ask you whether it's inappropriate. Now, you could probably tell from Ed's last name, Kim, <laughs> that Ed's heritage is Asian. And he works for a, he's a president of a company that does a lot of number crunching. Is that inappropriate to say, you know, do people expect you to be a great number cruncher because you have Asian heritage? Is that inappropriate? No, I don't think so. No, because um, I actually, Ed's an awesome guy. We've been friends for a long time and I'm even closer, like I'm closer to his wife. We've been friends for many years. Well, let me go get um, the tea. Hold on. You're closer <laughs> to his wife. You're going to ask him about number crunching. Yeah. No, he's, he's actually really awesome guy. But I didn't realize, I mean, I, I've never been sort of, we've been on events together, but I didn't realize his company did so much number crunching. But he's like, um, you know, now he's the head of this company that does a lot of evaluation and all of their stuff is like projections and all of this, like carry the four. So when the new Lamborghini comes out, it's his company that says that's worth a million and a half. Yeah, his company says this is what it's going to be worth in time, and we, you know, this is carry the five. And we should work for that company. We know stuff. <laughs> Not enough to work for them, I could tell you. We're I'm, we're I'm we're like we're like kindergartners compared to his university degree. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not very good at math. I'll figure it yeah, out. Though. I'll figure it out. That's what you say when you go to the DMV. I'm not very good at testing, but I'll figure it out by the time we get to the end. Yeah, and look who got a license. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, so we're going to talk to Kim about <laughs> the number crunching. Uh, we're also going to talk to Perry Stewart about the new Bentley Flying Spur. I had a great idea about this, Bentley, about Bentley. Lay it on me. Um, I wanted to do a, a TV segment. For a week, I wanted to do this segment, which was called Bentley or the Bus, and where you could have school kids enter a competition, and if they won, they could take a Bentley to school. I, I would drive them to school in a Bentley, and if they lost, they had to take the school bus. Wah, wah. <laughs> Bentley cool. or the Bus. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I like that idea. They could enter, and uh, we do it some some something on social media, and if they won... They would take the bus, and if they lost, they had to go with Bentley. Would you take them through oh, the no, the other there? way around. <laughs> Sorry. Are, are you asking trivia questions? I don't know. We'd, we'd have to work out what we did, but Bentley or the bus. You know, think that's good? Yeah, that's I'm a good idea. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. I feel like we should get them chicken nuggets, too, as part of the deal. And us. Yeah, and us, well, us that's just was kind of because I want chicken nuggets. So. No, you don't. You're a vegan. I want the fake chicken nuggets. Oh, yeah. We had this debate last night, by the way, because Kentucky Fried Chicken now have a green box which has vegan nuggets in it. And Andy was so excited, he wanted to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get the vegan nuggets. Yeah, I just wanted to dip them in the sauce. <laughs> he doesn't care about the nuggets, he just wants to drink the sauce. Um, do you want greasy little fingers all over the back of the brand new Bentley with, with vegan or non-vegan nugget sauce all over it? I feel like, at, at a principle, I should eat vegan chicken nuggets in the back of a Bentley. What a story. Because what, the grease is less? 
Yeah, well, at least it's more organic grease. <laughs> okay, so it would be good for the leather? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's cruelty-free oil. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Brian Bell is going to join us to talk about the F-150. Uh, tr- he's the truck marketing manager for Ford and, of course, the Super Crew uh, 4x4 Raptor. And the F-150 ended up again as the number one selling truck in North America. Again. It's pretty nice. Nearly a million. F-150s or F-Series trucks sold in 2021. How do they keep doing it? I think it's like 44 years or something ridiculous. I think people are buying like two at a time. Yeah, I think there's, there probably should be a limited one per customer. That's it. Something. That people are getting out of control. Some guy called uh, Auto Andy's doing a top five on a Subaru Ascent. Is I, that you? Some No, it's my twin cousin. Twincousin.com. Mm-hmm. Anton Warman joining us to talk about what's going wrong. In uh, some of the well, some of the shenanigans over at Tesla, things are happening over there. There's always something. Yeah, you like the bash on Tesla, and uh, we we're gonna tell you about monkeys who have escaped. What? We got news. There's a bunch of monkeys on the loose. They escaped after a car crash. Are they safe? There was a hundred monkeys on this truck, and there was a car <laughs> crash. What? Not all of them escaped, but I've got a story for you. you I want to know all about. I want to know about the monkeys. Yeah, there's monkeys on the loose. I got I got the latest story. If you are listening right now, we're gonna we're gonna do some monkey updates. I hope they there all was got a, bananas. There's a car accident and mon- oh, there's a crash, and monkeys escaped. Do we have a and, location on that? Yeah, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. There was ten thousand. They're, they're worth ten thousand dollars a piece, but they the the police in Pennsylvania said don't approach them because they're dangerous. Uh, you want you want the details? I don't. We have some updates for you. I don't. I don't think a ten thousand dollar monkey is dangerous. I don't you know, think they're yeah, dangerous. Yeah, they are. Don't approach it. State police are saying that uh, this pickup truck collided uh, with a with a uh, dump truck, or not a pickup truck, a, a a semi collided with a dump truck, and uh, had a hundred monkeys on board, and uh, the four of them, at least four of them, are on uh, on Route fifty four and Interstate eighty in uh, Montour County have escaped about 150 miles northwest of Philadelphia. I thought you were going to so. say four of them were armed. <laughs> I was waiting for that twist, too. Armed monkeys? Yeah, that sounds yeah. like an eighth-grade math problem. It sounds like I don't want monkeys anywhere. But I will tell you that if your wiper blades are chattering, uh, you should, uh, and then if they're skipping and squeaking, you, you should, don't compromise your visibility with uh, streaks and smearing on your windshield. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. The professional parts people, they will help you navigate their wide selection and find just the right wiper blades for your vehicle. O'Reilly Auto Parts will even install your wiper blades free of charge. See better and drive safer with new wiper blades at O'Reilly Auto Parts. And if you need them because some monkeys ripped them off your car, they will also restore new wiper blades to your vehicle from their wide selection. Be careful. Don't approach the monkeys that rip them off your car because they are dangerous. If you see, if you're 150 miles northwest of Pennsylvania and you see monkeys, call the state police. Do not approach these wild monkeys on the road. Just saying, they're dangerous. I bet they could change the windshield wipers a lot quicker than I could. The monkeys or Mm -hmm. the O'Reilly's? Yes. (laughs) Both. Like a a pit crew. Yes, a monkey pit crew. That's what that's what I I choose to believe that's what they're doing right now. They're helping O'Reilly's right now and they're the pit crew for the O'Reilly's NASCAR. Have you ever ever seen how dangerous monkeys are? Yeah, though a little one could rip my head off. No, it couldn't. It would take two. But <laughs> 
It will be dangerous. All right, more Hour Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert podcast available 24-7 on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your uh, host, Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy and uh, Anthony something, 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 because we haven't been clever enough to come up with uh, some silly name for Anthony uh, just yet. All right, so um, I like to become accustomed to a luxury lifestyle. Unfortunately, uh, I'm not yet. But occasionally, I get to drive something pretty superb, and the Lexus LS is one of those vehicles. It comes in several different flavors, uh, including a, a hybrid version. And luckily... I have been uh, had the opportunity to drive the LS. Joining us is McKenzie Mackenzie Richter. She, I would just say, McKenzie, that uh, this is probably one of the most luxurious vehicles that we have ever been on the inside of, and um, formulated to be very zen, if that's the right word, on the inside, peaceful quiet, tranquil, but that was one of the big things that uh, Lexus wanted uh, everybody to feel once they were on the inside of the LS, right? Absolutely. The LS is definitely um, our flagship luxury sedan at Lexus, and when you're in it, you're driving, the drive is just so smooth, you feel very comfortable. Then, like you said, it's you know just meant to make the driver feel at home with the car. The interesting thing about Lexus and these large flagship sedans is many have tried to emulate the Germans and many have failed, but Lexus seems to be the only company that has really managed to succeed and really bring out something that was a home run and people are buying the LS in droves, whereas all these other companies that tried to come out with something that would compete with the Germans have, uh, have sort of flopped on their face, but you've managed to do something which is, I would say, far different um, and really meet the expectations of people, but not sort of... S- a lot of times people are spending, you know, $150,000, $160,000 on these vehicles. You did something which was much more reasonable and sort of went in a different direction. A great price, amazing reliability, and, and give people something completely different. It wasn't an over-the-top, uh, highly expensive performance sedan, but met everybody's needs and was sort of tranquil and really, really well made. Yep, exactly. Once you get in that car, you won't want to get out. It's just the quality, dependability, reliability is something we cherish here at Lexus and definitely emulates within the the LS series. Uh, It comes in a whole bunch of different trims, totally customizable when it comes to a lot of the options that we have. So it's a great vehicle to, to get in and to keep. Now, tell me a little bit about the evasive steer, um, because a few of the features that I got to drive uh, when I was uh, in in the vehicle last time was, first of all, you have evasive steer. We were one of the first uh, car companies to bring this in. So instead of doing the full emergency braking, when the vehicle is unable to uh, avoid an object, instead of uh, hitting it, the vehicle will actually steer out the way of something, right? Yeah, so that's part of our... Um Lexus safety system, uh, the 22 model year LS500 adopts the LSS 
as we call it, plus 2.5 this year. So it comes with the evasive steering as well as uh, frontal collision warning, automatic emergency braking, as you um, had mentioned, um, and as well as some of the driving features, so dynamic radar cruise control, lane trace assist, lane departure assist, all of that fun techie stuff. Yeah, I love the idea that uh, a lot of other people aren't able to do that. Um, a lot of times, you know, if you're going to collide with something, and even if that emergency braking can't stop in time, now the idea that the vehicle will actually see a space ahead of it and will say, hey, I can't stop in time because we're going too fast, but I will steer you out of the way because I see a gap. Um, and, you know, I'm not always the fastest thinker in the world. I like the, the fact that the car is looking out for my well-being as well. Uh, plus, you one of the things that uh, Lexus has always done is, of course, the safety systems in the vehicle have always been kind of a step ahead of everybody. But not only that, the luxury features, as we talked about. Now, the other outstanding thing for me has been the door panels on the inside. Yeah, yeah. You get inside and it almost looks, it reminded me immediately of the velvet curtains in the movie theater, those ripples down the doors on the inside. Wow. Yep. So you must have been in one of our executive packages. So uh, our executive comes with a um, pleated door trim as well as Creco cut glass. So that cut glass is handmade as well as the pleats are handmade from Japan, masters in Japan. So it's absolutely stunning. Uh, we also have a new door trim. It's called Haku door trim that's available on our luxury and executive. Um, and it's available this year on our 22 model year. So this is a door trim that has been characterized as expressing waves of shining moonlight. So it's actually a piece of metal that has been flattened to about one or two ten thousandths of a millimeter and then applied to the door. And it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, there's, uh, you didn't miss any uh, anything on the outside of wow. this vehicle as well. Um, the LS is obviously, the 2022s are obviously coming into dealerships. Uh, well, how are we doing with the chip crisis? Are we still getting LSs? We are still getting LSs. So they lined off last November. They should be, if they're not at dealerships now, they should be getting there soon. All right. And the starting price? Our starting price is at $76,000 for the um, base model. Oh, that's not bad. I will tell you that yeah. uh, there's about $20,000 below some of the, the comp uh, competition. So uh, it's uh, absolutely affordable. And then, of course, it comes with that Lexus reliability as well. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah, if, if anybody has ever had uh, reliability issues with any of the competition, you know, you don't get that with Lexus. Yeah, the reliability is is there. And, of course, the, uh, the safety systems as well, which is the one thing that makes me smile is why I've been a Lexus owner as well. Uh, Mackenzie, listen, thank you for giving up Part of your weekend, uh, the LS 500, still one of my favorite full-size luxury sedans. And of course, you heard it from Mackenzie. They are uh, creeping into dealerships right now. If you are in the market for a full-size luxury sedan, it's a big thumbs up from us at our auto expert to go test drive it. And you can see videos of uh, some of the uh, models of the LS that we've test drove at ourautoexpert.com. And of course, you can do the same and go listen to uh, the other Our Auto Expert podcasts uh, that we've uh, reviewed some of the LS models over the years. And Andy, you know how you like uh, lying in the Ottomans in the back of vehicles? Yeah, it's my yeah. one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, they have Ottomans in the back of the LSs too. So it's you can so fancy. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure you can eat a sandwich in the back though. That's probably out of What? Netherlands. Yeah. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast.
Over 17,000 people have downloaded our Auto Expert podcast and many more streamers join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours and hours and hours of endless fun await you. You'll find uh, all of the deleted podcasts at OurAutoExpert.com. Automatic Andy and Anthony on the show today. Uh, So my friend just got himself a new gig, Uh, but so did Ed Kim. Wait, there was a joke in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ed Kim joining us uh, on the phone. Now, Ed, uh, you just got yourself, um, not I wouldn't say a new gig, but an improved gig. Uh, you're now <laughs> the president and chief bottle washer Whoa. at a, uh, Auto Pacific. Um, you know, you've been there a while, but uh, yeah. now, now you just get a little more stress, right? Well, and I get to wash a lot more bottles. Yes. Um, you know, we, we do generate a lot of bottles at Auto Pacific. So, uh, yeah, I got a lot more of those to clean, but that's all right. <laughs> I, uh, Anyways, it's good, it's good to see you, Nick. Yeah, um, when I um, when I wrote you the email, I sort of said congratulations on being the new mafia boss at Auto Pacific, and that's what uh, that's what our producer wrote in there. Ed Kim, the new mafia boss at Auto Pacific. But I didn't want to read that out because you know I didn't want people to think you were you'd whack people if they didn't do a good job or something. Uh, so, no, I'm, a, I'm actually pretty nice. <laughs> so, first of all, for those people that don't know, we should probably explain what does Auto Pacific do. Yeah, Auto Pacific is an autom- uh, a well-known automotive market research and consulting firm. So basically, we do consulting and research for the car companies mostly, also to a lot of uh, uh, automotive suppliers, the people that you know, the companies that make the parts for the car companies, and uh, ad agencies as well. So basically, uh, you know, when car companies or suppliers are developing the next generation of vehicles, that's where we come in to uh, help them develop them uh, through researching uh, what the consumer wants, uh, researching what ha- what's happening in the marketplace it, at the time frame that their future car is going to come out <clears throat> and stuff like that. So for a car geek like me, it's just about the most fun job you could possibly have. Is that a lot of surveys? You know, a lot of people standing on street corners going, excuse me, sir, do you have a moment? <laughs> I've, I've done that at a truck stop actually before <laughs> what yeah yeah we had, a, we had a project once where we were uh, interviewing uh, truck drivers um, and uh, yeah we went to truck stops around the country and uh, intercepted people uh, coming out of their truck and into the truck stop and uh, yeah that was wild it was fun and so how do you get most of your data? Is it sort of, I mean, online sounds like it was probably the easiest, but uh, I, I, how, how is the data gathered to help these OEMs and these companies form their, their data, uh, form their sort of thesis? Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, you know, we, have a, we do have an online survey that we send out every year. Uh, it's called the New Vehicle Satisfaction Study, and there's also a future attribute demand study that goes along with that. Um, and, you know, we get names, you know, we, we send it out to, you know, people who have bought new vehicles in the last three months or so. But then we also do proprietary um, custom projects for automakers where, let's say, a uh, car company is, uh, you know, developing their next big SUV and, um, you know, they want to talk to real big SUV consumers. So we'll actually go out and look for uh, people who fit that criteria to bring them in for interviews, to have them see the prototype and things like that. So there's a variety of way we, uh, we reach the customer. Okay. And so it's, it's a lot of data compiling, a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. columns and, uh, you know, yes, no's and uh, this was good. That was <laughs> right. Good. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing. Do you do sort of um, 
like a, at the end of the year, do you sort of compile all these this data? And I know you write a lot of stories and you just sort of do a lot of analysis at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Is there big surprises, things you didn't expect to discover? Well, you know, this whole uh, 2021 was an unpredictable year for basically everyone in this business, you know, right. thanks to the, you know, thanks to the pandemic and the very closely related uh, supply chain issues. So, um, you know, at the beginning of last year, it was really kind of hard to figure out, you know, what's, you know, what's going to happen this year and what's going to be, you know, what will be the big news items by the end of the year. And, uh, you know, frankly, when this, when last year started, um, you know, we didn't, uh, we knew that there would be some type of supply chain issues, but we didn't realize it was going to be as big as it was. Um, so the fact that transaction prices have just gone absolutely through the roof um, and, uh, and and that dealers uh, have empty lots and things like that, you know, to the degree that that happened, that was a big surprise to us. Is there anything that came up in any of these surveys that went, went, made you sort of go, what? What? Well, um, I would say that, uh, you know, I don't know that I, would, <clears throat> I don't know that I would call this a surprise, but I would, um, but, but what, but what we did find over the last year is that uh, consumer intention for buying an EV next time has absolutely skyrocketed. Um, <clears throat> you know, for so many years, no matter even no matter what gas prices were doing, uh, you know, for the last ten years, EV consideration has been kind of stuck at about three to four percent. What that means is about three to four percent of, uh, of vehicle shoppers would consider getting an EV next time. Um, but that skyrocketed to nine percent um, last year, and um, you know, to some degree, we expected there to be increased uh, EV considerations because you know there are a lot more a lot more EVs came into the marketplace last year, but for consideration to triple in the way that it did, that surprised us. Interesting. Um, so let's talk about these large luxury vehicles yeah. like uh, you know yeah. BMW yeah. 7 Series and S-Class from Mercedes and the LS 500 from Lexus, um, Audi's mm -hmm. uh, 8 Series or A8. This is a class we hear is sort of going away, these large <laughs> right. D-Class, but at the same time, it's a class of vehicle that people are spending a lot of money on because the super luxury vehicles are what people have money on. So what is the truth here? Because there's two truths, right? There's the truth of, yes, nobody wants large sedans anymore. Everyone wants large SUVs. But then there's the truth of this is also the super super rich category where people have to have $150,000. So uh, we're hearing two different things here. First of all, sure. this is the super rich category where people are still spending money, but we're also hearing nobody wants big sedans. Right, right. Well, you know, to, to say nobody wants sedans is, I would say, an overgeneralization because, uh, you know, there's there's always going to be some segment of the market that wants a sedan. You know, granted, yes, it's absolutely true that the, uh, that the popularity of sedans has plummeted in recent years. But, um, you know, for a lot of people, uh, for a lot of um, uh, affluent consumers, particularly older affluent consumers, the big luxury sedan is still the ultimate um, symbol of automotive prestige. So uh, there remains a significant place in the market for vehicles like that, for sure. The price, is it going up of these vehicles? Because, and I just remember when they bridged $100,000, there was a mouth drop, you know. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that was in 2000 when, you know, the first Mercedes became $112,000 or something, the S-Class, and now, you know, right. they're, they're, they can be well over $200,000. 
Oh, easily. Yeah. Now, these, I mean, you know, because um, the way I kind of like to think of big traditional luxury sedans is um, the people that buy them kind of tend to be old money. And, um, you know, these are, these are people with uh, lots of cash, uh, you know, very, very high net worth. Um, and, uh, so yeah, they are willing to spend the money on all the gadgets and features and, uh, accoutrements and, and all that. Um, but also what's driving the price of these vehicles up is just, just the sheer amount of technology going into these vehicles. Um, you know, a lot of these vehicles, uh, you know, a lot of these vehicles are capable of sort of, uh, semi, um, semi-autonomous highway driving, uh, you know, all the latest safety aids, uh, you know, massive screens inside, uh, all the latest connectivity features, and then, of course, the most expensive materials on the inside. Um, so, you know, all those sorts of things contribute to the um, to the MSRPs of these vehicles, um, you know, getting significantly higher. It's always made me laugh, in a sense, too, that uh, it tends to be the old generation or our oldest citizens, our most golden sister, uh, citizens that buy these vehicles, yet it has the tech which is designed for the 16-year-old. So, it, well, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It, well, what's really interesting about that is, uh, you know, we have um, – uh, we have a study called a future attribute demand study where, where we're, where we're uh, you know, looking at consumer demand for future features. And what we find interestingly about autonomous features is that uh, the two groups, the two age groups that are most interested in autonomous features are the very youngest uh, new vehicle shoppers and the, and the very oldest vehicle shoppers. So for totally different reasons, young, the younger buyers are reacting to the cool tech. The older buyers are, per, are perceiving it as um, you know, as uh, driving aids that can help keep them on the roads longer, uh, keep them behind the wheel longer um, as uh, you know they get older. It's that's absolutely. Uh, uh, it makes me laugh in a sense too, because it's <laughs> perfectly true for you know the those two demographics that I know. The the young ten year olds that I have in my family don't want to have to drive. They want to get into a, a car that takes them somewhere, um, but they don't want to have to pay for it. They don't want an Uber. Right. They, they want you know the, they want to press their phone and have their car pull up and take them to the store, but they don't want to have to learn to drive. <laughs> and then my dad, who's right. who's eighty, um, he he wants to be able to be independent and drive forever but he knows he's not as agile as he used to be so right. yeah you're absolutely right in that one um ed is there some way that the public can interact with your company yeah absolutely um our website is www.autopacific.com um so um anyone who's interested in our company can go there and and uh, see our portfolio of uh, services um so if you're in the auto industry and you need some help developing a future vehicle get in touch with us um you can also see uh, my personal stuff uh which does include of course a lot of cars um on instagram at uh um uh, my handle there is ed kim sees that and on twitter it's uh ekimap e-k-i-m-a-p Excellent. And if you're into some uh, classic uh, Mercedes, too, you might want to follow Ed as well, because he has uh, a very delicious um, Mercedes <laughs> car that we all like to follow. Ed, thank you for joining us. Uh, do follow Ed. He's a great guy. And um, his wife is, uh, is a great individual as well. I'm good friends with both of them. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. 
Our auto experts, 17,000 people are our auto expert fans. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just uh, direct messages uh, on the YouTubes. Our auto experts, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, you can subscribe and join the 17,000 YouTube followers. Automatic Andy and uh, Anthony in the studio today. And on the phone, Perry Stern. Uh, you can read his stuff at ourautoexpert.com and you can also read it at MS. And uh, auto next. Uh, Perry, uh, you have been uh, living the lifestyle that I'd like to become accustomed to. The lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yes. The <laughs> lifestyles of the rich and famous. Um, exactly. You seem to be a friend of Bentley. Uh, Bentley's a friend of me, a friend uh, of mine. Yes. I don't know how you say it, but yes, I, I uh, have gotten to enjoy some Bentleys and most recently uh, got to spend some time behind the wheel of the all-new Bentley Flying Spur Hybrid. Uh, interestingly enough, um, Bentley seems to be doing well with their cars, whereas most other luxury brands are doing much better with their SUVs. They do. I mean, their SUV is still among their best sellers. So, you know, it's their Bentayga still does very well. Uh, you can get everything from a hybrid to extreme performance versions of it but uh the flying spur was all new uh i think a couple of years ago and uh it is now the next step in what bentley calls their beyond 100 strategy which uh very briefly is they expect to have all bentley's electrified with some sort of hybrid plug-in something by 2023 a first battery electric bentley by 2025 and the entire lineup will be electric only by 2030. So imagine a world where Bentley doesn't build a W12 or a V8. It seems a little bit sad in a sense, too, that that was a, what they were known for. But it, it's it's generally happening with most automakers, and they do have a little bit of a, a, a leg up, I guess. Uh, it's because, obviously, their parent company is Volkswagen, and Volkswagen are, are very far ahead with their electrification program. And, of course, they can borrow some of that technology to help them on that uh, that path, right? Exactly, exactly. And so, uh, and it does make sense. You know, they also have the benefit of, you know, where sometimes, you know, if you buy an electric car and you live in an apartment, it can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Aren't a lot of Bentley owners that live in an apartment. Right. Um, and and that, so unless it's a, you know, unless it's a penthouse in Fifth Avenue or something. Exactly, exactly. And then they drive one of their other 50 cars. Yes. Um but uh, but the Bentley, so the Flying Spur Hybrid, they see that as the, the next step on this road to electrification. So it is a plug-in. Uh, it can go, uh, we saw about 30, 31 miles of electric only, uh, and then it drives as a hybrid. Uh, the other interesting thing about this car is it's one of the first six-cylinder Bentleys there have been since the late 50s. Interesting. Uh, in fact, we got to drive... The last version of the Bentley Flying Spur six-cylinder was a 1958 uh, Continental Flying Spur uh, with a six-cylinder engine. So it was the first use of the Flying Spur name and the last use of a six-cylinder engine. Interesting. The uh, the, the fact that uh, the, they're still sort of a heritage as you go towards electrification is is nice as well. Exactly, exactly. But uh, but the great thing about this one is, you know, they're kind of showing that you don't have to give up that performance. So the the hybrid, which is a uh, six-cylinder with, like I said, with an electric motor, um, it puts out, I think, a total of 536 horsepower. 
but it will get to 60 about the same time as the V8 powered one. So you're not really losing a lot of performance. Yeah, and uh, and the gas consumption is probably considerably better. It is. I mean, we they haven't announced official numbers yet because the EPA hasn't told them yet. Um, but during our drive, uh, we averaged about 25 miles per gallon, which would make it the most fuel efficient Bentley there has ever been. <laughs> yeah, because generally they don't. Uh, they don't. I mean, when you have something that's the size of a small boat, uh, they tend to use a lot of gas, right? The bar is kind of low. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, And that gives it a range of about 450 miles, which is you know probably a longer range than most people can go without making a stop on their own. Um, but it's a great vehicle to drive. I mean, you know, for, as I like to say, you know, for $200,000, you can get a pretty nice car. Uh, and that's the case here. <laughs> how does it differ um, in style, the vehicle itself? I mean, how different is it when you, uh, you, you look at the hybrid on the uh, inside and outside versus a non-hybrid version? It's really not much different at all. In fact, you know, I'm kind of surprised that they don't make a bigger deal out of the fact that this is a hybrid. So there's a couple of hybrid badges on it. Uh, the exhaust outlets are different. Instead of having two large dual exhausts, it has four little or smaller exhaust pipes. Um, and uh, basically, other than that, there's very little difference. I mean, you could probably remove the badging and most people wouldn't know the difference. But the cool thing is that, you know, you can drive silently. Um, oh. You know, I do miss that, that V8 sound. You know, that's a wonderful sound of a Bentley V8. But, you know, imagine driving up to the valet in a Bentley like this in complete silence. It's kind of cool. <laughs> so on electricity alone, the, this, they don't do anything like a blue grill or anything to make it stand out. They probably just people, they don't want people to know it's a, it's a hybrid. They, like I said, they made it subtle. Um, so if you know to see it, you'll see the, the hybrid badge right behind the front tires. And, and of course, there's a second filler. One is you know, on the right side, it's fuel filler. On the left side, it's a plug-in. Um, so there's, there's little things, but, you know, for most part, you know, if you're C1 going cruising down the highway, chances are you're not going to notice whether it's a hybrid or not. Interesting, um, and I think that's that's kind of their idea is that uh, you know a Bentley is going to be a Bentley whether it's electric, whether it's hybrid, whether you know whatever the powertrain is, it's still a Bentley. Do they do uh, special colors? Um, you can pretty much get any color you want. Right. In fact, they told us that with their customization program, you know the personalization, there are eighty-five billion different configurations, billion that you can put together a Bentley Flying Spur hybrid. I hope they counted them. That's all I can say. The uh, I, I would think so, yes. Uh, did, so the odds of driving up next to another Bentley uh, Flying Spur hybrid that's exactly like yours are pretty low. Yeah, make, watch, watch me. I, I'd be the one that did it. I'd be the one that screwed <laughs> it up. Uh, what's the cost, uh, Perry, and availability? So they're saying uh, they have final pricing, but it will start around $210,000. Uh, there are a lot of different ways you can option it up. Uh, the one that I was driving had the uh, the Mulliner driving specification, which, you know, of course, added leather door panels and all sorts of other things. Um, probably put it around $250,000. And that's probably going to be a pretty common price. Um, and as far as availability, it should be, uh, I believe you can start placing orders now, and it should be available, uh, I believe, later this spring or early summer. I'm not sure common price and Bentley flying spur hybrid go together very well, but I'm, I see where you're going with that. I get it. I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
feel, please feel free to read Perry's articles at OurAutoExpert.com and also uh, at uh, MSN Autos. And uh, Perry is uh, one of the best contributors on the website, uh, probably the best, I would say, next to uh, to Mike. Um, and the both Mikes on the website. Uh, read plenty of his stuff at OurAutoExpert.com. Perry, thank you for coming on the show. There's plenty of his stuff to go through, and you can hear him quite regularly here on the uh, radio show as well. There's more Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, with Automatic Andy and uh, Anthony in the studio today. Um, do you like trucks? It's nice to meet you. Yes, I do. I like the trucks with four doors. Okay, and steps. Oh, and the steps and the little bar thing. The, to get up in them. The rocker rail yep. with a step. I need a Do you a like the automatic rail. kind? Yeah. and I, Yes. I like the ones that also have a lot of torque. <laughs> so they can pull you? Well, because there's, when I get in, the stats change. Oh, um, yeah. You know, miles per gallon. Yeah. You know, things like that. They the, need the to be, they need to pull a big man like you around. Mm-hmm. You know who knows all about stats? Who? Uh, Brian Bell. Yeah. He's from Ford. The you know, stats change. Yeah, the stats change. You know a lot about stats, don't you, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we like to talk trucks. Yeah, we like to talk trucks and stats. Um, Andy's a big man, and he thinks that when he gets in a truck, that all the stats change. But you probably beg to differ, wouldn't you? Like, he gets in oh, your truck. Yeah. You, he gets in one no. of your trucks, and your stats probably don't change at all. No, our trucks are perfect. Uh, they, uh, we we can handle anybody that wants to get in. All, all we can hold up to six people in there, and uh, stats don't change with all six. <laughs> Hot dog! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, you, uh, what's your secret, Brian, to um, maintaining the F series being king of the hill? You know, we really pride ourselves on on knowing our customer. We do a lot of things to to learn about our customer and, and stay in touch with our customer. Uh, you know, before COVID, even my team would go out. We we we'd go out to work events with our with our uh, our partners to actually talk to customers. So you'll go to like a NASCAR race and talk to multi, you know a few hundred customers over a weekend. And how are they using their truck? What do they like about their truck? What do they, what don't they like about their truck? Our trucks, competitive trucks. The more you can learn about the customer, the better you can make the vehicle to serve the customer. And so we really really pride ourselves on on uh, on really diving into that and. and bringing that forward into all the future products that we do. And uh, in, you'd spend your time just going around interviewing people and chatting with them at NASCAR? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just one of the kind of events you go to. But, you, you'll, you know, you'll work the display, basically. And if, uh, if you've ever been to one of those NASCAR events, they'll have thousands of people roll through the displays every hour. And uh, there's always people that want to look at the trucks and talk about the trucks. And so it's a great chance to, to really kind of, you know, uh, spend some quality time and find out what they think about their truck and how they use it. And, and uh, you know, it helps you really plan for that future. And you bring that information back to the teams, right, to the designers, the engineers, the program teams. And, and um, you know, that, that voice of the customer is so important to make sure that you that you have the product that they want. And I think our 45 years of, of truck sales leadership really shows that we we do that, right? We really look at what the customers want and really push forward for it. Now, do you uh, do you like NASCAR personally? Is that is that a thing for you? 
yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a bit of a NASCAR fan. I wouldn't say I watch it every weekend, but I love going to the races and, and, uh, you know, try to keep up with it on and off throughout the season. It's, um, uh, but, I, but I'm not one that watches, you know, sits down every weekend to make sure I'm in front of the television for the race, uh, you know, like the, the true diehard fan. So let me just recap. You work for Ford. You work on the number one selling truck in the world. And you get to go to NASCAR races all the time. Your life must really suck. <laughs> you know, I, I tell the people, uh, people quite often I have the best job in the auto industry. Right? Yeah, I about, yeah. Is, uh, oh. about as good as it comes. I'm not going to fight you on that one, just saying. Yeah, it's pretty I'm not, good. I'm not going to fight you on that one. Um, the everybody seems to be wanting to make a Raptor copy. Um, everybody's like, yeah, Raptor, Raptor, Super Crew, F-150, here we go. Here's our version of it. Um, has anyone come close? You know, we, um, Raptor is a, a, a bit of a, a, was a white space vehicle we invented a, over 10 years ago, right? I actually launched, the, uh, I've been on the team long enough, I launched the first generation Raptor in 2010. Uh, and it just, you know, was such an amazing, different feat for people. Unless you grew up out in the, you know, in the desert southwest area, you didn't really even understand what this high-speed desert runner type vehicle right. was, how it worked, what it did. And so it really kind of was this groundbreaking moment that was just so exciting to be around. And, and, you know, you can see why competitors would be interested in it. There's customers that love this aggressive kind of truck now and want it. Uh, but, you know, we really, again, we, we really pride ourselves on pushing forward and the things that we've done, right? So we're on our third generation truck that we launched this last year. Um, and what we've done to that truck, you know, we've got best in class, like, uh, you know, um, uh, suspension travel and, and approach angles and departure angles. We put the new 37-inch tire package on. Oh, right? yeah. We've never done 37s on a truck before, on a vehicle before, out of the factory. And I mean, just again, listening to the customers, seeing how they use the truck, what they want on their truck. Customers have been telling us that they really wanted those bigger tires. You see them actually do it in the aftermarket. So we figured out a way to do it for them right from the factory with a factory warranty, right? And they love that. So we're going to continue to keep pushing and innovating for those customers. Uh, uh, even though we would Raptor, right? It's such a such a great vehicle. It took quite a lot of engineering challenges to uh, to move quite a bit of uh, of mechanical uh, parts around to be able to get thirty sevens on, right? Yeah, they, they, there was a lot of work that had to be done. One of the the uh, and I'm not an engineering marketing person, right? But the the engineers tell these different stories about what the, the things that they had to do and the the suspensions they had to take. And one of the most interesting ones to me was what they had to do with the spare tire, right? To make room for a 37-inch spare tire up under the bed, they had to move a lot of things around. Um, and I just, you know, you don't think about that, right? You think about the spares or something you throw in there. But there was a, there, even a lot of work that had to be done for that. So no no detail is overlooked in our, in our world. I think uh, when I went on the launch of the vehicle, I was watching a couple of things and and uh, they, they talked about, you know, we wanted to do a couple of things here with the exhaust and with the exhaust travel wasn't far enough. So they said, you know what we did? We just did a loop in the exhaust because we needed more more exhaust travel. We just uh, had it do a loop and that made yeah. sense. You know, there's a lot of little things that they did. Uh, they needed uh, this and that and the other and they just found ways to do it. And so they did it. Um, and a lot of times people are going, well, you know, there's only seven feet here and we need eight and a half feet. Well, uh, we haven't got eight and a half feet, so we can't do it. And they said, you know, we'll make eight and a half feet. We'll have the exhaust do a loop. And they looped it around and, uh, and found a way to do whatever they needed to do. Um, so you know, engineers finding ways around things is, uh, is just one of those things where engineers can get creative and find ways to make space work, um, those type of things. And when, when they got to do it, they got to do it, right? And, and, and they make it happen. 
It is, and you know what's interesting about that exhaust loop is that it was driven by customers. Customers wanted a more aggressive sound. Right. We have the three five EcoBoost high output engine in the truck, and they wanted a more aggressive exhaust sound to come out from the vehicle. And so the engineers did, you know, looked at a lot of different things. So they put this this um, active valve exhaust system in it. There's a true dual exhaust, right? Right. The engine all the way back, and it's got four modes, and it gives this great new sound. This, you know, that the customers love and. And uh, so, it's, again, it comes back right back to the customer and, and what do they really want in the vehicle and how can we deliver that for them. Yeah, and uh, obviously they need more uh, more more length in the pipe and, and they got it. Um, the other things I think uh, everybody thought that they were going to miss the uh, the six-liter engine and uh, the, it immediately you tell anybody, oh, yeah, it only comes with a three-plus-liter engine now and everyone's like, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be horrible. But when people get in and drive it, they're like, it's not. It's absolutely awesome. Um, that was one of the big, you know, mouth drops in the last generation, and it continues to be awesome. Even though uh, th- that's the first thing that you guys do is like, if it if it doesn't get better, we don't do it. And you do, you find ways to make it better uh, every time. And even though people look at it and go, how can it be better if you make things smaller and more compact and this sort of thing? It's better every single time. And I think that's one of the beauties of the F one fifty period, right? It is, right? We're always continuously improving and pushing forward and doing those things. And, and that was a big deal when we dropped the, the, the 6.2 and went to the 3.5 EcoBoost. But this, you know, that when, when the customers finally drove it and understood, we actually had more torque, better torque, right? You have that, the EcoBoost has that really flat torque curve. So you're, you're into that torque very, very low in the RPM range, and it sticks all the way up to the top. So it, it's fantastic for a desert-running truck, right? The the uh, so our, our engineers really look for those ways to make the vehicle continually get better for our customers. And one of the best things we can do for them. So, you know, you got a lighter weight engine, a little smaller engine, but more powerful engine with a better torque curve in it. It was a it was a great combination for the vehicle, and it's, it continues to be fantastic. Did you ever expect Raptor to sort of start evolving as its own brand? You know, it's, it's an F-150. It comes off the assembly line uh, uh, with all the other F-150s. It has an F-150 frame in it. You know, it's a unique design frame, but it, it, it's still an F-150 frame. It has those F-150 capabilities, but it's it's got such a strong following of its own. This F-150 Raptor, the, those, the, the owner clubs and the groups and the people, it's, it's really been great to watch it evolve and grow and, and um, all the passion from the customers in the marketplace to, to see how much they love this truck. It's, it's just, uh, you go to an Raptor event, it, they, there's such fantastic enthusiasts. It's just so much fun. And when you bring a new Raptor out, they're, uh, they're like kids in a candy store. They're just so excited to, to look at every piece and talk about it. And, and you know, there's, there's no there's no nut or bolt they don't want to hear about on the vehicle. So it's a, it's a really fun vehicle to launch. And I, I've been fortunate enough to actually launch all three generations of it. And it's, it's um, one of the highlights of my career is working on the Raptor. Yeah, I will tell you that uh, I didn't appreciate it as much as I did after I drove it out in the deserts of California. Um, you, just putting that thing onto the sand and then being given the keys and said, drive this course and tell me what you think afterwards. It's uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it, it changes your mind about uh, uh, trucks when you get it out in the sand and you get it out on the dunes and, and riverbeds and you drive this thing at really fast speeds and i'm talking about your foot down as fast as it will go through a riverbed it changes your mind about about these trucks they're absolutely outstanding i will tell you that uh, you changed my mind i didn't think i could have as much fun as i did in an f-150 raptor it blew my mind you're listening to our auto expert 
Our Auto Expert podcast 24-7 on the website, ourautoexpert.com. Hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Experts, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news every single day. Ourautoexpert.com. Automatic Andy's here. Andy, what have you been driving this week? Um, I, I drove this week the 2022 Subaru Ascent. But not just the Ascent, Nick. The, the special version, the Onyx edition. Oh, that which means new flashy pants. Yeah, I was extra this week. Yeah, you were, you were extra every week. Yeah, I, this one was a little bit extra, extra because um, I like this one, Nick, because immediately from the inside, when I got on the inside, the you know what's the what's the part called in the front? Is it the dash? Yes, inside. It's the dash, right? <laughs> the inside dash. Yes, sir. There's like a black waffle design. So it reminded me immediately of chicken and waffles that were (laughs) made with squid ink. Because it's it's black, because it's the Onyx edition. Okay, I get it. I get it. So everything was was very pleasing to the eye because it was was waffly. Yeah. So that that immediately made me happy. Um, You can get one for $32,000, but the one that we got... Starts at thir- uh, almost thirty-eight thousand, Nick. Ooh, that's uh, yeah, that's about a, a bit, a little out of my uh, price range, but that's, all right. It's worth it for the waffle design, at least. <laughs> Thirty-two thousand was thousand dollars worth of waffles. Yeah, no, it's great. It's 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 a fantastic family car too, because um, it, there's there's room for seven to eight humans or thirty-five aliens from Mars. How big were the aliens? The equivalent to seven or eight adults. Oh. For 35 of them. Big aliens. So what, like 7 divided by 35, so like 6. Yes, go. No, uh, yeah, no. Nick, it's the biggest Subaru, if you're playing along at home. Uh, The biggest Subaru in the lineup? Yes. All right, go. I got it. I was able to sprawl out in it. Oh. It also passed the log roll test. (laughs) Uh, It's also, Nick... The, a contender for an upcoming our auto expert story on which car has the best third row. Uh-huh. I can't spoil where it ranks in our list because okay. that story is coming up, but I can tell you what, it's high. Okay. Because there's there's a lot of room in it. Because you, you can, can log roll. It passed the log roll test, you, apparently. It passed it. What does the log roll test involve? Yeah, I have to be able to lay down and then do a log roll because I swear my fifth grade teacher, everyone would say like, hey... You go play basketball. Hey, you do gymnastics. Hey, you do something really hard. And hey, Andy, just lay on the ground and roll around. <laughs> so it was, that's what I was accustomed to. So you were told just to log roll? Just for a half hour. I would just log roll. I would just roll around the earth for a half hour. <laughs> I mean, it was great. I still, I <laughs> still, yeah, I still worked up a sweat. So, I mean, mission accomplished. Anthony, you do the news. I'll do the show. Auto Andy? Just lie around on the floor and log roll <laughs> during the show. That's the equivalent. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nick, did you know that the second row has captain chairs? Um, no, but I was. I didn't look because I was transfixed on you log rolling around the studio. Yeah, because I'm gonna. Okay, go. There's uh, so everyone can feel important. You don't have to call a uh, shotgun. You just have to get in the car. And, I get it. And you're good. I'm over it. <clears throat> There's a panoramic moonroof. Oh, so even the people on the back—that's why, can get that's a little why bit. the moon was coming in. Yeah, get it? Because uh, that way yeah. the people in the back can get a little bit. Yeah, there's a power rear gate. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about it. 
Yeah, I like it. Uh, with the Ascent, you get all-wheel drive standard issue, mm. uh, so you can go and head and have that as an expectation because nice. you just you get to have it. Yeah. You also get an extra eight point seven inches of ground clearance, mm. which means when you get out, you're not going to get in the puddle. <sighs> oh, or yeah, you all right? You can park over rock. You can drive over rocks. I get that one too. Mm. Nick, this one also has X mode for extreme Pacific Northwesting. Yes. So you can go faster and around all the Starbucks's. Yeah. Uh, there's 153.5 cubic feet of passenger volume. That sounds like a test question again. <laughs> how many how many cubic volumes are in a person? Can That's I, a lot of people. Can I ask you what your passenger volume is? Like 400. I'm thick. Uh, there's 5,000 5, pounds towing capacity. You get that. Okay. Uh, and you get all that power because you get an injected turbocharged Subaru boxer engine. I love it. And it, Nick, it runs on a gearless transmission. Oh. So that means that you don't have to worry about those pesky wait times. Okay. You just get to get it. Yeah. They get after it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it has, it's, it's crash test has, it has a lot of crash test street cred. That's a hard sentence, but did uh, you see how yeah, I, I wrote it? Do you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it got some of the highest honors on the Insurance Institute for Highway and Safety. Highway Safety. Oh, the, yeah. Those people. The acronym is IS or something. Ish. Ish. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they use... Uh, Subaru has a real uh, proprietary technology for its safety. It uses award-winning eyesight driver assistance. Yeah. It helps you not hit things on the road because it tracks your eyes. All right. So if you're starting to sleep says hey get up yeah it's it slaps you in the face a little bit and says yeah. can you can you not be dangerous yeah that would be great it it yeah i like that it actually has two eyes behind the mirror and it looks out onto the road but it also looks at your face and tells you to get your together this is the next fact is the most important one i'm just saying i saved the best for last okay because that's how you do in journalism right you keep how many people going. does it see seven or eight eight so or eight. six big people Six fat people. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Like me and you? Like, I, you could probably only get five of me in there comfortably because I, I like to... <laughs> log I like, roll. I like to spread All right. out. Yeah, log roll. Uh, I would get one of these. Yeah. I would buy two. You've got about 30 seconds. Go. So the last and most important thing of the car is that it has 19 cup and bottle holders. Guys, did you hear what I said? 19. And there's only eight people, which means that's like three, three bottles a person. No, it's not. Do the math again. <laughs> like three. How many log no. rolls is five Andes? <laughs> many. Ten. So that's like eight so, times two is super 16. size. Super it, size. It's at least two. It's two point two. It's not drinks per person. No, it's not. So you can double fist it and no. have a sip of someone else's. You can double fist it plus how many? Like point three, no, so like no, half of a not. cup. No, it's not. Do yeah. your math. Do your math. It's two two point four. No, you can have half Don't a cup. Don't point of it. Don't point it. Two plus how many? One. No. Eight. Three. Ah. Two plus three. Ah. There's two each plus three extra. Oh, it's such hard work this show. We might be back. You're listening to the R Auto Expert podcast. 
Our auto expert, find us on TikTok. Start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages. All you have to do is send us a question. We'll get an answer to you. Our auto expert, yep. All you have to do is ask us that car question and we'll be happy to answer it. My name's Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy and Anthony on uh, Our Auto Expert. Uh, joining us on the phone today is Anton Wallman. He is an independent investor and analyst. You can read the majority of his stuff at the street and Seeking Alpha, probably the person with the best background in autonomous cars, electrification, the European markets and the business world when it comes to the automotive industry. Anton, uh, good morning from Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm sure you're uh, you're ready and uh, heading to Stockholm tomorrow, I hear. Uh, so let's talk about Europe since you're on the way there. Uh, the European EV sales ended uh, with December with far less, uh, I guess, bang than we had expected, uh, definitely for in 2020. Uh, so let's talk about how things looked at the end of the year. We should have a better picture now. Um, did things go south as we expected or uh, did the EV sales land exactly where we thought they were going to land? Well, we, Nick, for the final numbers, we're actually going to have them here in uh, just about another five or six days. But we are the preliminary number that we have obtained suggest that unlike the previous year in which we have this we had this enormous mad dash in just the last few weeks of the year uh, we didn't experience quite the same level of mad rush to uh, obtain a very large uh, electric car sales number for uh, the very end of the year and we don't know yet why that was the case. There are you know, two main possibilities in terms of explaining this outcome. Uh, possibility number one, and uh, not necessarily the more likely one, but uh, it could contribute at a minimum, is that uh, we have the famous um, uh, component and production shortages. I mean, uh, they are prevalent across the industry. And even though many automakers have been prioritizing in general uh, the ability to produce electric vehicles, that doesn't mean that they were entirely successful in so doing. The other reason could simply have been that they were able to plan the deliveries uh, during the year a little bit smarter in the sense that they were able to fulfill them a little bit earlier in the year. Furthermore, there's a third reason too, which kind of follows a little bit from the first two reasons. And that is that because overall industry volumes were a little bit lower, it made it a little bit easier for the automakers to indeed supply those volumes toward the end of the year. So yes, if overall industry volumes were 20% lower or whatever the number turned out to be in the end, well, they probably would need to deliver 20% fewer EVs as well. And if they had prioritized the manufacturing of them earlier in the year, that probably meant that they were a little bit more in the green in terms of not having to uh, uh, basically print a huge number of deliveries in, on December 31st. Do you think that if supply shortages hadn't happened that we would have seen um, better EV deliveries or was just the appetite not there? No, I do think that the supply shortages would have meant that uh, they would have been forced to deliver more EVs just a simple, as a simple matter of proportionality 
to the overall market and first and then secondly they would have also then had uh, the ability to produce uh, some more of them now uh, the Volkswagen CEO confirms in an interview that the uh, electric van the Volkswagen microbus what we all lovingly know as the hippie van uh, will start deliveries in Europe in the summer of 2022 we know it's uh, it's going to be a more than a European vehicle it's going to be a somewhat worldwide vehicle uh, but it, it now won't start European de- it'll start European deliveries in 2022 but won't start the US until 23 um, and it will have modifications for American delivery of course um, we can't get on the same map as the rest of the world everybody has to have their own little nuances as far as safety and uh, different legalizations around the world we can't seem to uh, be able to operate on the same page so uh, we have to make modifications for the u.s Uh, something maybe in 2023 how's it here what are you hearing about us getting the, uh, the the new vw van well, Nick, there was a, this was a bit of a surprise, actually, in this interview. Is It was that, you know, if you go back to listening to the talk all the way back in 2015, 2016, when Volkswagen pretty much made a statement in principle that they were going to really, really look at bringing this thing back in an all-electric form, uh, it was clear at the time that they said that this was largely driven by the U.S. market, that uh, the U.S. and uh, sort of the California surfer culture and whatever had driven the popularity of this in the mid to late 60s to begin with and throughout the 70s. Uh, but now in this interview, the CEO of Volkswagen basically, basically said that, well, when they actually pulled the trigger on manufacturing the bus here uh, just a few years ago, it was probably uh, by that time, it was more like 2017, 2018. Um, they, they, they had gotten such a lack of interest from their uh, American colleagues, I guess the people who were running Volkswagen, here in North America that they'd somehow not planned to make one for North America at all. And uh, and then they had to go back after the decision was made to kind of go back and, I guess, jerry-rig or otherwise uh, uh, make modifications to the vehicle so that it is now going to show up at least about a year later in North America than it will in Europe. Uh, that seems very, very crazy in terms of uh, not having uh, planned accordingly and therefore uh, the North American market not seeing this product for for an additional year. So I'm I'm a little bit puzzled as to how they could have missed this in their planning somehow and, and just somehow assumed that North America wasn't going to want the product after having been saying for years that it was North America that really wanted the product. Very strange indeed, Nick. It, uh, you think there's going to be some disappointment when people realize that uh, it's going to be delayed? Because obviously it has a, may, maybe the sales won't be as good, but there is definitely a mental passion for this vehicle. That's precisely the thing, Nick. I mean, this is a halo vehicle. This is something that even if in the end a consumer doesn't actually buy it for themselves, everybody's going to want to go to their Volkswagen dealer now and see the thing at least and say, wow, this is so cool. Maybe they'll end up buying another Volkswagen product. But I think that uh, to, to not make this thing immediately available for the North American market is, is a huge marketing miss, if nothing else. It's just a miss on all levels, planning, you name it. Um, let's talk about Tesla. So we keep hearing about this sort of uh, 
cross, you know, fold your arms and uh, wag your finger at uh, California, the move to Texas, the opening of the Austin factory, um, the uh, the fact that the Cybertruck was going to be produced in Texas, but uh, the factory now is t- delayed. It was supposed to be open in July 2021. That hasn't happened yet. Is it going to open? When's it going to open? When are we going to see the Cybertruck? What's going on? And promises not being met. Where are we? Yeah, so it's clear that the Model Y will be the first thing they'll be produced in this factory. That much is clear. It's been delayed by many months already. There are now some signs, Nick, that initial production, however meager and modest, may begin here in March, April or so of this year. And then, of course, when it comes to the Cybertruck, I mean, I think it's been well publicized recently that everything that I said uh, over a full year ago now, I may recall, Nick, back in year 2020, I said this truck is not arriving in 2021, and I think we'd be shocked to see it in 2022. And I think that is now uh, looking to be the case, that we are probably not going to see volume production of the cyber truck in 2022 i think that for them to make more than a few token units we're going to have to wait into probably deep into 2023 how are we doing with rivian are we selling uh, rivian trucks to anything more than members now uh, members of the staff no i just see no signs of that either i think that they're delivering a few hundred units uh, maybe more than two three hundred but not like in the thousands so let's round it up to a thousand to be generous or so uh, and uh, it looks like almost every one of them so far have gone to uh, employees and other sort of close friends and family. But I do think that uh, broader deliveries are, you know, starting to get within a couple of months from now. I think by by the time we get to the end of March of this year, maybe that will be the time when they start selling them to uh, regular civilians. Uh, it seems like we've wait, we're waiting a, a long time for a lot of this information that's uh it's not actually happening and uh, a lot of this sort of production that's not actually happening at the same time you know chevy looks like their ev will be uh being produced sometime late uh, late this year or early next year and uh the ford factory is already uh, getting ready to produce the lightning and starting to take orders yeah i think in terms of meeting the schedules even even the best ones today are seeing some delays but gm and ford if i had to uh, make a bet on those who will show the least amount of delays, maybe only uh, one, two, three, four months as opposed to one, two, three, four quarters, uh, I'd say that uh, GM and Ford are, are the, the horses that are the safest bets right now. And uh, we had Ed Kim on, the president of Auto Pacific today, and he was saying in uh, the surveys that they've done this year, it looks like uh, from 2021, there was a big change in uh, electric intenders from uh, 3%, as it had been pretty much over the last several years, to 9% uh, of people intending to buy an electric vehicle in uh, 2022. So that seems like a big change. So it looks like uh, changes on the horizon for a lot of car shoppers, right? That's right. I mean, clearly, this is reflecting a incentives it reflects marketing and it also reflects just a sheer amount of product available i mean you can't have just two three four five good models in the market you need to have 15 20 25 yeah. and at that point you can drive the diversity in the market uh, for uh, for a market change like that anton walman independent analyst and investor read the majority of his stuff at the street and seeking alpha and you can listen to the podcast and listen to his wise words nobody else knows as much about the market europe autonomous and electric cars this is our auto expert we'll be right back you're listening to our auto expert 
This is our Auto Expert Finders on TikTok. You can also find the podcast available 24-7 on our website, uh, ourautoexpert.com. Hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy and uh, something, something, something Anthony. I like Aerowave. Airwave, Ant- no, it's not very automotive. What about Air Filter Anthony? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Air filter? Yeah. yeah. You're the kidneys oh. of the operation. <laughs> the kidneys. <laughs> He's a bit kidney-shaped, isn't he? Uh, just want to let you, the, the professionals, let you know that the professional parts people at O'Reilly's Auto Parts want to get you ready for winter and save money. Replace your old wiper blades with new rain uh, with a new pair of Rain-X Advantage Edge wiper blades and save $10 now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Uh, they will even install your wiper blades free. Plus, um, you can earn double O'Reilly Rewards points. Uh, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Now, uh, did you know monkeys have escaped after a truck crash in on a Pennsylvania highway? Yes, if you're in Pennsylvania today, be careful. Um, the uh, manager at a Super 8 motel in Montour County uh, says that uh, the crash uh, on the highway, uh, which is also reported by the Pennsylvania State Police, which is uh, the Route 54 near Interstate 80, uh, four monkeys, as far as we know, have escaped and uh, out of 100. They could be worth as much as $10,000 each. But do not approach them. They are supposed to be dangerous. I'll catch them. I'll catch them for five thousand apiece. No, you won't go near near them. Are they are they rabid? Are they um, rabid monkeys? No, are not they, as far as we know. But you still shouldn't approach them. Are, are they, they like the? I want to know. Are they like the little chickpea monkeys? Like the little ones? Or are they like the big old orangutan? It did tell me what kind of monkeys <laughs> they were. But again, do not yeah. approach them. I mean, I guess monkeys and monkey, right? Cynomoglus. Cyno, oh, those cynomoglus monkeys. Oh, those are the Sounds ones like that... they have a disease, doesn't yeah. it? Cynomoglus. Yeah, I don't want any cynomoglus. We need, we need them contained immediately. Well, yeah, but I'm not doing any of it. They could reproduce. <laughs> Probably not in the hour or so that they've been, you know, or however long it's been since they've been... Uh, you know, you know they've been, there's a movie... That's what they look like, cynomoglus. They actually look pretty cute. They got the little mustache things. Ooh, they got big teeth. No, those are the ones that are made of nightmares. No, that's how, that's how that movie <laughs> Outbreak started, you know? Cra- uh, crab eating. That's crab eating uh, monkeys. No, those, don't, those don't look peaceful. Uh, mammalia. Class mammalia. Which yeah, means menu. Menu. You're on the menu. It doesn't look like the fun monkeys who put sunglasses on when you drop them in their cage. You know? Yeah, no, they don't make balloon animals. These ones don't. No, they don't. You know, with traffic congestion costing U.S. drivers an average of 36 hours and $564 during 2021, the personal finance website uh, Wallet Hub today released its report on 2022 best and worst states to drive in, as well as the accompanying information. So, determine the most friendly states in the U.S. Wallet Hub has compared the 50 states across 31 U.S. key metrics, and the data is based on a range of average things like gas prices to rush hour traffic congestion and road quality. So what are the best states to drive in and what are the worst states to drive in? Well, the best state to drive in is Iowa. What? Yeah, there's probably nobody in Iowa. Not that many people in Iowa. It's flat. So Yeah. Is it? Yeah, mostly. Mostly flat. 
plains. A lot of cornfields. A lot of yeah, corn. There you go. Oklahoma, just above Texas. Boring. Is that where that no, is? No, it's not. Sorry. I've been through a really nice, um, far, a really nice safari in Oklahoma where we fed llamas out of the window of the car, and when the llama put its head in the window, Megan, who was with me, I'll find the video, screamed. She, I've never seen anyone scream, so it was a bit frightening, but she screamed. Kansas is number three, North Carolina number four, Texas number five, Georgia is number six, Wisconsin number seven? Nice. Oh, no, no, that's a mistake. Yeah, that's that's, oh, that's, 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 that's clearly a, that's Best a typo. states to drive in, Wisconsin. Someone paid their is way. Is there a lot of potholes in Wisconsin? Yes, major issue. What about cheese? Do you hit cheese on the highway? There's a lot of cheese. Yeah, but it's soft and wonderful. That's so a welcome accident. Yeah. Plus, you might run into the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Whoa. I hope not. Well, not run into it in a car accident situation, but. Tennessee is number eight. Illinois. So that's Chicago. Yes. That's Ill- some of the best, drivers. best state to drive in. Scary. It's number nine. No. Terrifying. Indiana is number 10. Mm, I'll, I'll, Just below Illinois, right. if you I didn't know. I thought Montana would have been pretty high up, but not in the top ten. Apparently not. The worst states for driving. Can you rest what the worst state for driving is? Interestingly enough, not that far from Iowa. Florida. That's a long way from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you know anything about geography? Washington State. Just, just before we continue. Yeah. Okay. I know where the top 50 is. Right. <laughs> uh, Wyoming is not the worst state in, in Interestingly enough. Hmm. Uh, Missouri. Oh, I guess it's not. The, we're going in the opposite order. 41 is Wyoming. Missouri is 42. Michigan, 43. Colorado. Washington, 45. I knew it. Maryland, 46. California, 47. So that is only four from the bottom. 48 is Delaware. 49, Rhode Island. Guess which the worst state to drive in in the United States is. Surprised about this one, but I sort of, but not. Arkansas. Hawaii. Yeah, that's what I meant. The worst state to drive in because gas is the most expensive, road qualities are the worst, and uh, rush hour traffic is the worst. I know traffic is bad in Hawaii. Well, there's only so far you can go, though. Well, but there's also the, there's only so many roads, and it's always really, really busy. There's lava. West Virginia has one of the lowest shares of rush hour traffic congestion at 6%, which is 14.5 times lower than in California state, which is the highest, 87%. No. Traffic, traffic congestion in California. Holy cow. I've been in that traffic before. It's in L.A. it's like three hours to go. My friend who lives in Huntington Beach said, uh, we're going to go to a Lakers game tonight. We need to leave three hours before the game starts. I'm like, it's like, I don't know, 11 miles away. Yeah. Three hours? What? No, it's maybe it's further than 11 miles. He was miles, right, but, too, huh? Oh, I'm like, I'm not going. <laughs> See you, bye. Now, Oklahoma has the lowest average regular gas prices at $2.98 per gallon, which is 1.6 times lower than California at $4.71. California California gets punched in every way possible. They do. From the governor all the way down to the gas price. See what I did there? Yeah, I get it. I'm cheeky. I'm cheeky today. I'm cheeky today. What's your state like? Just messages. Go to Facebook. Go to facebooks.coms. And uh, go find our auto expert um, and then uh, type us a message. You can do it. You can do it. Find our page, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T.com. Send us a message. Ask us a car question. Where is your state, by the way? We'll tell you what state. Our state, complete 
mess. That's what our state is of mind. Uh, see what I did there? Uh, you can check us out at OurAutoExpert.com. We're here 24-7. You can listen to past shows, see the videos, see our TV shows, uh, see all our news stories. By the way, huge news dropping tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. That's coming up. Check our auto expert out when that big news drops tomorrow. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. 